93.9 The Eagle, broadcasting live from the Zimmer Radio Group World Headquarters. This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry. This city is my city. Get ready for interviews with movers and shakers from our community as we dive in for a deeper look inside Columbia. Now, here's your host, Fred Perry. And welcome to the CEO Roundtable Show. Glad you have joined us this weekend. Uh, very pleased to have back for the second week in a row. Uh, this is not a repeat of last week. This is a brand new show. Uh, but uh, I realized when we had about three minutes left that uh, Mike Murphy and I from Como Buzz had not gotten into this very important discussion about uh, city utilities. And, and uh, you know, spoiler alert here, things are kind of a mess in our city utilities. And so we want to talk about that. And of course, uh, I scheduled um, uh, DeCarlo Seawood for this week uh, to be on the show, but they've had to reschedule. Uh, but happy to um, uh, have anybody from the city of Columbia on the show to sort of help us better understand uh, their side of the story. But uh, if you have been reading Como Buzz, C-O-M-O-B-U-Z dot com, uh, you uh, have probably picked up on the idea that there is trouble in paradise uh, when it comes to utilities. And um, so, so Mike, one of the things that I uh, kind of a quick summary of the problem that I want to dig into each of these is if we can, um, in both in 2015 and in 2018, bond issues were approved by the voters of Columbia, uh, but no action has been taken. Uh, uh, very little action has been taken on the major projects identified in those two projects. Uh, the 2015 was to uh, upgrade the city's uh, electric grid. The 2018 was to upgrade the city's water utility. And very little progress has been made uh, on those significant bond issues. The so 2015, according to your reporting, was uh, $63.1 million to finance improvements in the electric grid. And then, and that a lot of that has to do with the transmission line that is uh, running through South Columbia, or should be running through South, South Columbia. Uh, and then in 2018 was a $42.8 million uh, bond issue to finance renovations to our water treatment plant uh, in McBain. That was the big ticket item uh, on that. But to this date, uh, nothing's been done. Uh, utility rate increases have not been acted upon, the, the, the ones that have been uh uh, recommended by the Water and Light Advisory Board. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars have been spent on consultants only to have their reports completely ignored. Uh, an 11th hour proposal uh, that completely ignored uh, months of work by advisory board and staff recommendations uh, had been um, completely ignored and, and uh, worked into the 2023 city budget. Uh, and then the overreach of city council, it totally ignoring the recommendations of, of really two of our city's most trusted boards and uh, staff members, their own staff members. And so those are really the central points of this conversation. But we're going to try to dig into each one of those. But based on your recommendation and really kudos to you for taking the time, uh, most journalists don't have finance degrees. And so you as a former businessman or you're currently a businessman, I should say, um, you kind of know how to f dig your way through a uh, profit and loss statement and, and budget reports. And, and I know that the budget reports for the, for the, the city are sometimes 700, 800 pages, but you've done your homework and based on everything that you have sort of been working on, what is the common theme that you're seeing uh, come out of this? Well, 
two, I'd say it goes in two directions. When I first launched Buzz back at the first of the year, I did not really anticipate being coming this involved in the utilities. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. Yeah. And then a story that presented itself early on, I and I entitled it, and I thought it was one of my first good stories, was politics driving decision making at Water and Light. Mm-hmm. I got onto this 2015 uh, transmission line that had been delayed and still delayed today. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still haven't sold the bonds for it. It's still badly needed. It was $30 million of critical infrastructure improvements needed back then that still aren't done. Six years ago. Uh, yeah. And uh, most people who live in Columbia are, are noticing and talking about uh, more and more and more power outages, glitches, um, things with the with the with the electrical grid, and they're not really sure what's going on other than something isn't right. Well, that's what's going on. It's not getting the needed maintenance that was has been critical actually for more than a decade, probably. When I first started visiting with you uh, back at the first of the year, um, uh, I was afraid that you were going to spend most of your time covering beer and cannabis, and you probably would like to be covering beer and cannabis <laughs> that was a, little the plan. Bit, a little bit more. <laughs> but uh, thankfully, for our community's sake, you have dug into some pretty important issues. And again, you're filling a significant void in our local marketplace. Uh, I don't think that Missourian reporters are probably skilled enough to really get into and dig down to the nuts and bolts of this issue. The Tribune, I'm not sure what's going on at the Tribune. They have not updated their website. You know, I'm a paid subscriber, and they have not updated their website for, for uh, three days that I know of. Uh, you're a former employee over there. Maybe you have some insight that I don't, but but. Th- Thank goodness you're here, because uh, if not, we wouldn't be hearing about these stories. Well, yes. So I have a little bit of experience, of course, and you don't really get these stories just going to a city council meeting. Mm-hmm. So, um, Unless you're really listening. Yeah, right. I know what you're listening yeah, for. Yeah. So I started going to the citizen commission meetings, and that's where a lot of the work gets done, and that's where you can talk to people and start finding out what's going on. And then once you do know what's going on, of course, you can pursue it. And all this is pretty – it really isn't – there was a day when – what. This work wouldn't really be all that special. It just happens to be it in this day and age in, in, in Columbia, Missouri, there's nobody else doing it. Mm-hmm. So, so it, it kind of looks, I think, a little bit more special than it is. Although I'm glad that Buzz is finding a place and, and being able to contribute in this way. A couple of things I want to just read that are direct quotes from, from your writing. Uh, this is from an opinion piece, uh, that you wrote back in August, uh, that was, uh, oh, September 9th. I'm sorry, just last week. Uh, the uh, council meddling in water rates backfires, and uh, so just a couple of things I want to read, just to give our listeners a sort of a flavor for the for the way that you're positioning this. But uh, this is the lead on uh, this last opinion piece that you wrote uh, on on last Friday. Uh, Any flicker of hope that a new mayor might save the dysfunctional Columbia City Council from itself was fully extinguished this week during budget review proceedings that turned into a dumpster fire fueled by the council's same old habits overreach meddling and distrust of staff um is that something you wrote late at night and regret writing no <laughs> no I, I i you're making me kind of giggle that's that's why i love this job i get to do i get to do that <laughs> all right so let me let me read um let me read this uh this this is a little longer but i but i think this is a great summary 
of uh, the the problem at hand. Uh, allow me to summarize. Uh, staff members from the city's finance team and utilities department put together new water rates that have been available to review since May. This is September now uh, for generating about two point five million dollars more revenue from water ratepayers. There was considerable discussion about the appropriateness of percentage increases versus cost of services. It all gets vetted and endorsed by two of the city's most active and respected city commissions, citizen commissions. It's then sent to the city manager for his review. And this is important. He writes it into his 2023 city budget. In the second of three public hearings, two weeks before the budget's final approval, a city councilman proposes an alternative rate plan for water rates that generates the same $2.5 million with little discussion or analysis and gets unanimous support, unanimous approval from other council members. Turns out that the plan almost cuts in half the rate increase on commercial customers, moves that burden to residential customers and puts the screws right to the people who can afford it the least. So um, talk about process here. Uh, I mean, and when you look at the people who are on the water and light advisory board, I got to tell you, these are not necessarily political appointments these are people that are tremendously qualified to be doing what they're doing yeah absolutely talk about some of the backgrounds of some of these folks so david switzer is uh he's a phd uh in in municipal policy teaches at mu and his specialty is water rates Mm -hmm. he studies equity in water rates greg coffin ran the power plant at mu and retired there in it for years um tom jensen is a, a local attorney he uh he specializes in trading uh, power. He specializes in in deep finance of power related subjects, among other things. Uh, that's you know, Jay Jay Hashider just left the board in in frustration. He he chaired uh, the recent. He was a a thirty year employee of Water and Light. He chaired a recent uh, task force study that uh, studied the electrical system and has been rejected by staff and has been a member of or a part of a bunch of controversy on a totally different uh, subject. I'm trying to think. I'm I'm missing one because there's there's five. Uh, well, there's there's an opening. Uh, right one now. of the interesting things is that they really the council now wants to hear from a gentleman by the name of John Conway, and uh, I've known John for many many years. I have a lot of respect for him. His wife Pam Conway was a principal at several Columbia schools. Uh, good people. Uh, John spent many many years of volunteer service on the Water and Light Advisory Board, uh, but the council did not see it fit to uh, reappoint him back to the board they went with somebody else and but now um all of a sudden what john conway's been saying all along uh is something they want to know more about and they totally missed their opportunity when they had him yeah john got caught up in a political thing when brian treese came to office during this he was chairman of the power and light advisory board when that option a electric transmission line uh, went through and he got cast aside because he was part of the city staff that was pretty or the city contingent that was pretty outraged that this was all happening but he he's still out there he still pays close attention and now he's an expert in water rates and he's been trying to convince anybody who will listen that they have there's a certain way to do this to keep yourself you know uh, out of out of trouble really to be able to justify your rates and to survive a uh, legal action should some be brought against you mm-hmm. and that's been bubbling in the background and part of what's causing this problem uh it it goes pretty deep there's some there's a power struggle going on between the city's finance department 
and it's utilities department. Utilities used to be a standalone accounting. Finance is kind of uh, trying to usurp them a little bit. The finance department came in. They hired. They have an economist now, and they kind of set these rates the way you and I might set rates for our newspaper or our magazine mm-hmm. or something. They took what they had. They put a percentage increase on it. They jacked up commercial rates 15%. They just kind of arbitrarily did that. Mm-hmm. Uh, added. Uh, they did it. Really what they did is what's expedient. They, ha- they needed to get this done for yeah. a reason we can talk about in a second. They're under a lot of pressure to get this done. Conway comes in and says, you know, you really can't. Can't do it this way because you can't justify it. There's, there's no, no way you you'll, can you'll be sued it. by a. You're likely to be sued by a large commercial customer, one of the manufacturing plants out on Route B, and you won't be able to defend yourself Correct. because of the way that you uh, set these rates. Correct. Plus, there's a thing not to get deep in the weeds uh, called the Hancock Amendment to the. Uh, it's part of Missouri law that you can set fees, you can charge fees for services, but if you start jacking up your fees too much and you can't tie them back to what you're really providing they're no longer a fee they're a tax and if they're a tax they fall under different restrictions and regulations so it comes to really having a good understanding of cost of services so what does it cost me to provide uh electricity to a manufacturer like quaker roads up on route b uh and so uh, if you base your rates based on your cost of use, uh, you're going to be much e- easier, e- much more able to defend those rates should you be challenged in court. Yeah. And then the criticism becomes, well, water and light, uh, our utility has got caught in a situation where they have a cash flow problem. They need to raise rates. They need to sell these bonds. They're not going to be able to sell the bonds. They're, they're facing a, a bond downgrade. They have to get a rate increase through and they're caught with their latest Cost of study, cost of services study being 2018. They don't have one ready. So part of this is John's 100% correct, but the finance department is doing what's expedient is they got to get this done or this problem just continues to mm-hmm. fester. And what Matthew Liu, the finance director, would argue is this is close enough to our last uh, cost of services study. We can put some factors on this. And I just don't agree with you, John. I respectfully disagree because he really has no choice. And we're going to go forward doing yeah. this. So that's looming in the background. And because that, there's a ticking bomb, right? Well, so the in 2018, voters approved an upgrade, this $42 million uh, bond issue to finance improvements to the water system. There's $20 million left of it that, that was earmarked and is for an upgrade to the water treatment facility in, at McBain. And also to build a water tower in southwest Columbia where they're really struggling with a, a lack of water pressure. Not only is that annoying in their house, there's a, there's a fire protection issue. The water treatment plant was downgraded from 32 million gallons per day to 24 million gallons per day, its capacity, in like 2018. Why? Uh, old uh, needs upgrades, need renovations, so they, they don't have the capacity to treat water effectively at what it was built to do. So part of the reason they got that bond issue sold was to re- return that to 32 million gallons per day. And that was in 2018 or 15? 18. 18, okay. And the concern is it can only do 24 million gallons a day, and we have days where we're using 23.5. So they're at capacity. So that's, that's putting some pressure on them. And then number yeah. two, this water pressure thing is putting some pressure on them. The residents are angry, and they're saying, we, we approved this in 2018. Why is this not done? There's no particularly good answers for it. Now they got to get it done. They feel pressure to get it done, but now they're not in a very good position to sell the bonds. Yeah, 
So. Yeah, because we're our cash reserves are almost depleted. Correct. Which the trend nobody is, is talking about. Right, and the trend is wrong. They will be depleted. Uh, they go below their twenty percent standard next year and and to uh, zero in the following year. That's the voice of Mike Murphy, uh, publisher of ComoBuzz.com. Second week in a row we've had Mike on the program. So if you're tuning in now, uh, believe this is a brand new show. First time we've ever had a guest two weeks in a row, but a lot of important stuff to talk about. When we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation about the city's electric and water utilities. This is the CEO Roundtable on 93.9 The Eagle. Ah, you can talk about the pit, barbecue, the band was jumping, the people too. Ah, mess around, they're doing the mess around, they're doing the mess This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, visiting with Mike Murphy for the second week in a row. Uh, we did not have time to get to this important topic uh, last week, and so I asked Mike to come back on this week and talk about some of the troubles uh, looming for the city of Columbia's electric utility and our water utility. And um, the last thing we talked about was the ability to go back out and sell bonds. And, and of course, you know, your financial health uh, uh, is uh, an important consideration uh, when you decide what kind of rates, interest rates you're going to pay uh, when you buy bonds and sell bonds. I'm sorry, and um, and we need to sell bonds because the you know, we're talking about tens of millions of dollars for most of these improvements. Now, the, the money that was approved back in 2015 uh, that we we didn't uh, do much with was 63 million dollars, and that was to take care of some important projects. The cost of that. Those projects seven years later, yeah, easy to say, millions and millions more. Yeah, that's that's the next big problem that that's coming up here shortly. So, let's assume I don't have much doubt they will get some type of rate increase passed. So the rate increase proposal was included in the budget, which is where it's supposed to be. So it's been be part of the three um, public hearings they have on the budget where this has taken place. Now, it would have been nice if this took place a month or two ago and would have gotten perhaps uh, a, a more uh, the proper attention. But there isn't much doubt they'll get a, a rate increase passed. In fact, it's for sure they will because if council can't agree on one, the, the Columbia City Charter just mandates that it becomes the city manager's budget. So mm-hmm. that the rate increase is going to go through in one way, shape, or form uh, on Monday and take effect October 1. When that happens, they will have the type of um, revenue flow again that will put them in a position to get ready to go to, to the bond market. But that is based on Councilman Pitzer's recommendation, and it's a 20% increase in the base rate. Uh, and it's uh, there's a percentage increase along with every tier, depending on what, what size customer you are, correct? It's a... Uh, it's a uh, a flat cost per tier. Oh, it's a dollar amount, not yes, a percentage. Correct. Okay. The 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 previous proposal was a percentage. The issue there, and you know, if your mission is purely to get to generate two point five million dollars the clearest way possible to go to the bond market, there's nothing the matter with this proposal. Now, there's a lot wrong with the procedure, which is what I think we're really talking about. But if you hang around Columbia City Council or City Hall, uh, equity is just at the top of everybody's mind all the time. I mean, they have staff people in the city manager's office. Uh, uh, we have at least three or four council members who it's their number one priority. And 
perhaps we haven't been too good about this in the past, and it's led to... And we're talking about social equity, correct. not financial equity. Correct. I mean, this is correct. social equity. Correct. Continuing a, a real awareness to unburden our most unfortunate the most we can, and to be careful not to inadvertently or perhaps on purpose burden them with a cost disproportionately to what other people pay all the way through this entire rate analysis nobody wanted to go more than 10 percent on the base rate john conway wants to go zero on it because he believes there's no justification for it and he's also highly aware of the sensitivity to equity issues so it's sort of staggering that pitzer came up with 20 percent on the base rate and you would have thought it would never fly just based on those reasons. Yeah, but social equity, social equity, social equity. Correct. correct. And then the first, but when it comes down to uh, really, you know, when, when uh, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. Yeah. It's, uh, when, uh, it, when it comes down to taking action, it's, I, I think it's, we, we just, we are, it's lip service. I think it's going to go like this. And this is really weird to describe. But, and the reason I was particularly critical of quite a few people, including the mayor, and the city manager, is these budget discussions, these public hearings have been terribly organized and unfocused and unprioritized. And they're bouncing from subject to subject and important subjects are not getting vetted at all while they waste time on, on, on other things and pet projects. And it's just been a real miserable uh, mess. Well, can we can we just talk very candidly here? Because I think it's sort of a, uh, is it a failure in leadership for Barbara Buffalo? Is I mean, you one one of the things you you say is that after the council voted to to do this, uh, one of your comments afterward is that I imagine there's some council members that have regrets about all this, and deer in the headlights is not a good look on Buffalo. So um, is it because the the members individual members of the city council are so disruptive? I mean, speaking of Pat Fowler and Andrea Weiner, I mean, is it because it's it's hard to run a meeting when you got people who are constantly challenging no i think it was more they just weren't prepared they didn't see it coming i would chalk it up to it i hope kind of an isolated growing experience for the mayor and if i was her i would be pretty deeply upset with my city manager for not having me better prepared for this uh this whole thing okay, so this falls back on the city manager uh, the two of them can share it but yeah, yeah. i think so yeah. yeah one of the things that you you say and i want to go back and and about the city manager himself and i'm reading verbatim from i don't know if yeah this was an opinion piece uh that you wrote uh back in uh on august 26 but it says uh it also makes you question their trust in Seawood, who has uh, overseen the city's utilities since he was hired as deputy city manager in 2019. His relative lack of experience in utilities, or anything else for that matter, of the magnitude here in Columbia is indicative of the council's seeming lack of understanding and regard for the skills, experience, acumen, and vision necessary to successfully lead the city's half-billion-dollar conglomerate. With Seawood's promotion of David Sorrell from the sewer utility uh, to director of utilities, the city's top two positions with oversight of utilities have no experience, as in zero, running an electric utility. Harsh words. Well, I've been going, I've been following it. I've gone to every, not only council meeting, but committee meeting, uh, following it closely. I talk with almost everybody involved. And um, I, uh, part of the issue or, or the problem here is council doesn't trust management. They need to trust management. They shouldn't be meddling to the degree they are, but they don't have the right people in the right places. Mm -hmm. So... And I think that it's pretty obvious 
to anybody paying close attention that the management of the utilities is really, really, really struggling to run it. I mean, I, if you just read that piece and lay out the facts of the matter, I mean, the facts we're talking about, this is not what a well-run operation looks like. Yeah. And that's just the, 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 the sad fact of the matter. So, and you know, this was written, well, let me, and, and here's how I would sum it up, frankly. Mm-hmm. This was written before, this was written, written weeks, what you just read, before what happened Monday night, which was this. The city finance director put together water rates, spent six months doing it. He took it to the city manager, who obviously signed off on it, put him in his budget, and a city councilman says, no, we're not doing that. We're going to do mine instead, and they cook up something else. Now, I've been kind of asking, how, how, what is the dynamics of that? Yeah. You know, I don't, I can, other people got to explain that. I don't know how to explain that. Well, it just seems like overreach. You know, I think that we have staff. I had no idea that the city of Columbia had a staff economist. I mean, that, that's new. That it's, blows yeah. my mind, you know. Yeah. And so if you go to the trouble to hire a staff economist, and I'm assuming this gentleman, it is a gentleman, mm-hmm. I guess, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, has some expertise. Uh, you have got a finance director and you've got folks that have had some experience, uh, in these matters. Um, and for the council just to completely disregard is, is some, there's something fundamentally wrong with that. Uh, when you, when, when you look at the charter, the city's charter and the, the form of government that we have, it really is overreach. You know, s- you know, stay in your lane. You know what I mean? Uh, focus on the things that you know about. Trust your city staff to do the right thing. Well, and if this was an isolated incident, you know, you could say, okay, something's going on that we don't know about. But um, I just went through, you know, I had Buzz up and running through this last election cycle. And a huge part of the coverage was uh, a question to all the candidates is your thoughts on this meddling and overreach that council has constantly been accused of. And we've got mounds of evidence of the of the issues that it's caused in the past. And, you know, Brian Treese's reputation was he was pretty heavy handed as a mayor in, in where he probably shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Barbara Buffalo, actually, as I pointed out here in this last piece, she came to office talking about her experience as a city employee, a, a manager for the city, mm-hmm. a, a, a complete and full understanding of how it's supposed to work, how staff feels about things, and her re- working relationship with Seawood and how she believed that they would be a good team for returning this to the its proper standing the way the council or the way the charter set it up. And now here we are a few months in and, and she was just totally complicit in this deal. I was kind of blown away by yeah, it. Yeah, it's surprising. And I, you know, I, I, I guess maybe you can chalk that up to inexperience. I mean, I think that, uh, she'll grow into that position. I think she's going to be an outstanding mayor when all is said and done. But the truth of the matter is, um, uh, she failed. And, and so it, it's kind of this perfect storm brewing that it should scare the bejesus out of most of our listeners, most, most people living in Columbia. So you have sort of this void in leadership. You have a, a council that's kind of out of control, uh, that is, uh, guilty of overreach. You have, uh, an unprecedented, and those are the words of the city, not our, not mine, an unprecedented increase in utility rates. So the city spent, uh, last year $87 million. They're going to spend $87 million this year on utilities. That is an increase of 36% from last year. 36%. So you have avoiding leadership. You have unprecedented rate increases. You have this really weird predicament that we're in with cash reserves. And so we, it'd be hard for us to go out and sell bonds at a reasonable rate right now. Uh, you've got, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars being spent on consultants where we just ignore what they're telling us. I mean, this is really, 
brewing to be something that could I mean, you read about Jackson, Mississippi, you read about Flint, Michigan, you read about these communities that are having so much trouble with their water utilities. And you're like going, is Columbia, Missouri going to be the next uh, city that's on the national news? So the perfect storm that's sort of brewed up is a a turn for the worst financially, a little bit, much of it not in our control, the energy costs. Mm -hmm. But the delay, so six years ago and, and prior to that, there's a critical need to spend $30 million on electrical infrastructure, $60 million actually. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we don't spend $30 million yet to this day. So That's that, already been approved. Yeah. That need yeah. is just slain out there that has been six years and not done. And interest rates have not gone down, by the way. Correct. And the costs of all these materials are going to be... Think about how much higher. Yeah. We have been setting on this capacity to spend for seven years and have not done anything with it. So, and then we've just discussed the water plant. And the, so a discussion that I have is why, how is it that the, the good people of Columbia are sleeping on all this? You know, they just don't seem to know. And I think part of that is just modern society. But I think there's three things that are pending that could happen at any given time that's going to wake them up. Unfortunately, one could be where we actually do overload a, uh, a substation, which is being, you know, I think we've gone by the grace of God on that for some time now. We haven't had any real hot summers, mm-hmm. but that leads to rolling blackouts. And if you think at all about what kind of havoc that would wreak in, in town among businesses, among nursing homes, among hospitals and people's homes, uh, uh, number two, we have to go to some type of water rationing where you can only irrigate on different nights. That's going to get people's attention. And number three, I think if our bond rating gets uh, turned, uh, gets pushed down, I think the business community is going to raise an eyebrow and ask what's going mm-hmm. on. But until one of those three things happen, all of which are possible, uh, yeah. I don't want to say likely, but they're right out there, you know, nearby, too, way, way too close for comfort. And there's no good reason for it. That's the, that's the bad part about this. We have all of the resources in place. Uh, uh, this should be a, a fine running utilities operation that contributes to the overall well-being of the city, as it has been for years. Yeah. You know, Mike, what's frustrating to me, and, um, you know, I... Uh, it had been kind of an unabashed cheerleader for the city of Columbia for, for almost 30 years. If you've read any of my magazines over the years, I'm bullish on Columbia. I think what really disappoints me the most is that with the exception of what you're doing in Como Bus, nobody in this community is talking about this impending disaster uh, uh, in city utilities. And it wasn't an issue in the April city council races where we talked about everything from social equity to making sure that our police officers are treating everybody with, with respect, especially the criminals. Um, and we're, we're talking about trash collection. We're talking about roll carts. We're talking about pollinator habitats. We're spending all this time talking about crap that doesn't matter. This matters and nobody's talking about it. Yeah, I think, before the next year goes by and you see double digit increases in virtually every utility that the city runs from water to electric to solid waste to sanitary sewer, uh, I think, I think people are going to start asking what's going on. Yeah. When we come back from this break, we'll uh, continue our conversation with Mike Murphy, who's the publisher of ComoBuzz.com. Uh, it is an online magazine that, uh, is doing the best journalism in Columbia right now, folks. I gotta be honest. Uh, when we come back, we're talking about $5 million that we're going to spend to uh, beautify the business loop this year instead of uh, spending that money on this critical infrastructure need. All of that and more coming up on the CEO Roundtable. This is Fred Perry with Mike Murphy. This is 93.9 The Eagle.
This is the CEO Roundtable with Fred Perry on Hot Talk 93.9 The Eagle. And welcome back to the CEO Roundtable Show. Fred Perry, your host this weekend, visiting with Mike Murphy for the second weekend in a row. Uh, we are talking about the city's uh, troubles uh, in the electric utility and in the water utility. Um, you know, part of this problem, and I, uh, you updated me during the break, and I, I appreciate that because uh, um, I want to go to talk a little bit about Jim Windsor. And if I think if Columbia uh, had such a thing as citizen of the year and they do um jim windsor should be the 2022 citizen of the year former rank and file employee from the city's um uh utility division worked in finance for the for utilities but he has really had been courageous enough and and has been bold enough to step forward and say okay folks uh I have been doing this for over 30 years. I, I understand what's going on here. Uh, you're not exactly being told the truth. And, uh, there is some, some light that needs to be shined on these issues. Now, one of the things that, that he brought up is that, Hey, look, we've got $5 million in this budget, uh, from these, uh, bond funds to bury utilities along business loop 70 to beautify that area. Well, um, you know, you can only put so much lipstick on a pig, you know, and uh, but but uh, according to you, that has been removed from the budget, correct? Yeah, well, there's there's two things there. So, number one, as that was being discussed uh, at a water and light advisory board meeting, somebody said, where did that come from? And there was quite a bit of uh, silence. And then there was some sort of whispers that I didn't get at all that not all of these decisions are staff driven. Some of them are political. OK, so uh-huh. so that yep. made its way in. But um, the electric utility really needs to conserve cash uh, till they get their finances in order. So they had a big meeting a couple nights ago, a couple Monday nights ago, to really analyze their uh, upcoming capital improvement projects and to uh, cut some of them back, uh, to delay some until their cash position improves. And an easy one, uh, a low-hanging fruit, was the uh, underground uh, job out on uh, business loop mm-hmm. it is all wrong from the get go. You do that when you're doing another project. If you're redoing the road or you got things tore up, you think about doing that. You just don't go out there and tear things up and put put that underground for no good reason. And the uh, professional staff uh, took care of that. Yeah, good. I'm yeah. glad that they they were listened yeah. to on this yeah. one, one occasion. Um, I think that one of the things that is sort of central in all of this issue is the the eight-year debate over the power lines, the high-voltage power lines that were, um, you know, we paid consultants to come in. The city had a plan uh, to put these uh, high-voltage power lines down uh, Nifong Boulevard. Uh, that was controversial. You know, if you could somehow separate the politics from policy, uh, we'd be a much better city. Um These improvements were improved, were approved by voters in 2015 and funded. Mm-hmm. For political reasons, we the the neighbors that live along Nifong, uh, including Councilman Pitzer, uh, said, "You know what? Uh, I think these uh, high voltage power lines ought to be running down Chapel Hill." Mm-hmm. You know, and so not in my backyard. Uh, and so let's put it over in Chapel Hill and see if we can uh, see if that flies. Well, this is a big mess, and I think my sense is that city staff is afraid to touch this because it's, it's just a it's a uh, it's a hand grenade that's been thrown that, uh, and the pin has been pulled. I, I think it's almost more council doesn't want to do it again. So 
what happened is uh, they spent all the they spent a lot of they spent four years uh, with uh, with a consultant doing an upgrade to their master plan, and they reviewed several other options. They didn't really do option A again because it was such a political football. They did something similar, but um, and you know the people you know Brian Treese wanted nothing to do with it, and he was mayor up till you know April. G- yeah, and, mm-hmm. and he probably certainly by all accounts still would be if if not for you know circumstances that right. you know had him resign uh just his, in his professional life nothing oh. you know that's I, I should clarify that <laughs> oh do, do we have breaking no, news no, no, here no, no, okay no, no, no. <laughs> uh you, you, you can't be a professional lobbyist and and have and mayor. a camp, campaign account oh right? a campaign okay yeah, so there so right. there, therefore it eliminates you from being a politician so he had to choose his career over over being a a, a politician yeah. so staff Nobody wanted to deal with it for that reason. Now he's gone. They did all these studies. Uh, they came in with this recommendation. Uh, the recommendation the staff thinks is ridiculous is to run this power line instead over on top of an existing power line, transmission line that already runs through this uh, neighborhood off Chapel Hill in, uh, in the Fourth Ward. Uh, a layman can see this is a bad idea. I don't really understand how, where the, this is politically driven. Mm-hmm. Just, Mm-hmm. So, so at a, uh, a meeting it's called here, the golden rule, just so you know. Yeah. 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 Well, no staff spoke up surprisingly a couple months ago and said, no, our opinion remains that the best way to do this is the old option. A it's the only smart way. It's the only efficient way. It's the only thing that makes any sense. And that's what we think we need to do. And that's exactly what staff should do. They're the professionals yeah. and they have to stand up and we they need them to, I know, but it, but it's hard. And, and what, and then of course, Pitzer was furious because that's back in his fifth ward, and he he needs to be a six to one vote though, and they need to get this done. But they're in a bit of disarray now, anyway. You know, they got these massive problems with utilities. They they got to get this budget done. They look like they're having difficulties with several several subjects, and now they're probably going to have to take on another firestorm of totally redebating this issue with mm-hmm. the public. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really a waste of time because uh, the city staff, I mean, the, the experts, the consultants, everybody that has uh, any knowledge about this issue has clearly said option A is the best option. Yeah. But we're going to open this whole can of worms again and uh, uh, and debate the same thing we debated seven years ago. Well, I've heard it said over and over, if this was if Ameren owned this, we'd had the public hearings, <laughs> we decided what to do, yeah. we would have heard you out, and then we would have put the transmission yeah. line. Right, yeah. right. So yeah, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm afraid so. And I don't know where the politics are going to fall. But this whole thing, and now there's an untold amount of money being wasted too because the substations are overloaded. The Perchy Creek substation down there, before they put all that development in on Scott Road, was overloaded. Uh, now they're running feeder lines off it to try to to pull load off it at amounts of money that'll never be disclosed. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's just kind of a it, it needed to be solved. And I think. I think if you really would, would take a good look at that, I think it's got to be the greatest political failing of the last, it could be of a generation in this town in mm-hmm. terms of needing something to get done to set us up for a good long-term future and totally botching it up. And now we really have a mess. Yeah. Let me ask you this. And, you know, I um, people often uh, 
call me a journalist, but I am far from a journalist. I'm a commentator and because I am frequently uh, sharing my opinion and uh, I am uh, pro-Columbia, pro-Boone County. I am pro-business uh, and that's my and my talking points match that. They correlate with that well. Uh, you're a legitimate journalist, and uh, I'm guessing you're a very lonely guy. Uh, you have got to be, I mean, it's hard to be the only person in the room who is speaking truth. And uh, talk about that dynamic. I mean, is that something that is, um, I know there's no training for it, you know, uh, unless maybe you you. You know, you spent a lot of years in the military or you uh, were in an orphanage or something. But but I mean, what kind of what are you thinking right now about your uh, your your role, uh, what you bring to the table in this community? I try to be extremely fair. Mm -hmm. So I don't really I thought this over a lot when I decided to do this this go around with it because I you know, I can do what I want. Mm hmm. But I want to be true to journalism. I'm in a town where there's, you know, a lot of journalists. We got the, and so I'm going to be subject to their um, review and criticism. And, mm -hmm. and you know that they, they would be, they, they would be enthusiastic about delivering that. Mm -hmm. um, so, but yet I want to, m my value is my experience and um, my perspective from my age and maturity and mm -hmm. experience. Yeah. So... I kind of throw bias aside and say I focus on trying to be extremely fair. Mm -hmm. And I think the people I'm working with uh, recognize that I'm working really, really, really hard to determine the truth and be very fair to all involved. So mm -hmm. I've written very, very flattering things about Barbara Buffalo, and now I've written some negative things. I've mm -hmm. written, and that throws people for a loop because they think you have an agenda, and as soon as you write one thing, they think that's who yeah. you are. Yeah. I've written very flattering things about David Sorrell, and now I've been very uh, critical. Mm -hmm. And what I tell them and try to get them to understand. And what I tell myself too is because I have, you know, feelings for people that I'm writing about is that uh, I think my job is to determine the truth the best I can with my brain, you mm -hmm. know, and, and my work. And then to just ruthlessly adhere to that truth. When I tell the story, don't, don't mince words, use the words, use the best words you can come up with. And as accurately and brutally as possible, tell people what's going on. Yeah. And, and I think it comes out. I, I, I like doing that. I, I like the way the work reads. Yeah. So you uh, took a little bit of heat from us. Uh people who I think have been your loyal followers when you published an article called Strapped Electric Utility Doesn't Charge Developers for Expansion. And, uh, you know, I, I this was not an editorial, I don't think, but, you know, I, I found myself disagreeing with you. I, I'm a big fan of what you're doing in this community, a big fan of you personally. Uh, and uh, But it's all about, you know, passing on the expense of expansion uh, to developers. And, and I think that there's two sides of that story and I think that some of your your loyal readers were were willing to point that out but you know I think what we have in this country is there is there tends to be a tremendous bias against business and a tremendous uh, bias against wealthy people and there is this thought if you listen to any newscast during the course of the day that the wealthy need to be carrying more share of the burden and I think that what sort of uh, I got into an interesting long conversation with my 22 year old son about this because you know I, I think one of the things we have to remember as a society is that it is the wealthy uh, and I, I hate to 
paint with a broad brush, but it, it is the wealthy that is creating economic opportunity in our in our world. And uh, they're the ones that are creating jobs. They're the ones that are taking risk. Uh, but, you know, every time a home is built in Columbia or a commercial building is built in Columbia, it is providing jobs. It is it is a stimulus to our economy. And so maybe we should err on the side of not making businesses or the wealthy pay their fair share when they are they are growing our economy through a very different way. So here's how I responded to several people. And this is how journalism, both journalists and journalism get misunderstood and don't do a good job of explaining themselves. So I don't have any particular opinion or no dog in that hunt. It was a straightforward news story. I just came upon the fact that the Water and Light Board brought up this subject now that they were going to look at it uh, and and consider it and probably change it. And actually, they were saying it should have been changed years ago. So I just reported it. I didn't want to endorse it or not endorse it. I just purely reported it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even further to your case, if you're going to charge developers for doing that, you're going to drive up the cost of homes. Yeah. And one of their main priorities is affordable housing. Yeah. So I would write an opinion yeah. that one silo doesn't know what the other silo is doing down yeah. there. Uh, pretty much probably agreeing with you. But no, my point was just to let people know. I told several people, would you rather I just didn't write about it? <laughs> you know? So. Well, Mike Murphy, uh, congratulations yeah. on the good work you're doing, folks. Uh, I hope that you will subscribe to this, ComoBuzz.com. It's worth reading. If you care about Columbia, if you love where you live and you want it to be better, uh, check out ComoBuzz.com. Uh, this is Fred Perry. Uh, Mike Murphy, thanks for your time. Thank uh, you. We'll see you next week on the CEO Roundtable. This city is my city, and I love it. Yeah, I love it.